You are listening to Dermcast.tv, the official online media resource for the Society of Dermatology PAs. <laughs> yeah, after Lindsay talked about melanoma, I'm back there signing off from my path from the end of the week that had come through. And this guy came in with what he thought. He was like, it's a bug bite and it won't go away. I'm like, it's not a bug bite. It's weird. It looks like there's scar. It's been worked on before. Biopsy it and sure enough, it's a amelanotic melanoma with all the scar tissue around it. Same thing. And it was one of those paths where you get back and you're just like, oh crap. Well, that'll be waiting for me tomorrow morning to call the patient. <laughs> but, um, but yes, I'm so blessed to have so many talented PAs to work with. Um, and thank you guys for hanging. I feel very, very honored to have been the first one to open the conference and to be the one to put a bow on it. So today we're going to talk about dermoscopy. Dermoscopy is something that um, personally I love. I feel like the cardiologist without a stethoscope, if I'm trying to do clinic without my dermatoscope, I kind of get twitchy if I don't have it. Um, like I'm looking at a mole and I kind of don't know what to do if it's not right there next to me. But dermoscopy is something that when I joined my practice about um, 12 years ago, everybody made fun of me for bringing to my practice because the line that I would hear over and over because I was the youngest one and that's about when dermoscopy really started to be part of residency um, training was about 12 to 15 years ago and now it's standard but dermoscopy for them the line was well if you need a dermatoscope you need a biopsy and I do not believe that at all. I use dermoscopy, you know, really to see if I do need a biopsy, but I use it all the time for other things. And so this first lecture is gonna be kind of basic. It's gonna sound repetitive, but I feel like when you pick up a new skill, you need to be repetitive. It's the same thing when I train folks how to do a skin exam. You need to do it the exact same way every time. When the patient's like, you're on the right side and they're pointing to something on the left, like, but doc, I got this over here. Okay, we'll get there, but you have to do everything. If I do that and I jump around, I'm gonna miss something. It's the same thing with dermoscopy. I'm gonna teach you how I do dermoscopy. There are a lot of different methods out there, and so I'm not throwing shade on anybody else and how they do it but I'm a pretty basic girl, and so this is how we're gonna do it. Kinda basic, a lot of repetition, but you're gonna have to actually use your brain because as I teach you, you're gonna have to use your brain, especially in the second hour. Okay, so what's dermoscopy? How do we use it? We're gonna go through the basics. We're gonna go through the dermatoscopic characteristics of melanoma, because clearly that's kind of the first place you think about using dermoscopy. And then we're gonna get into some common non-pigmented lesions. I have to say thank you to DermNet NZ. Um, I've been talking on dermoscopy for a very, very long time, and they've always been very generous with their images for use for teaching. It's a great patient education website, too, if you guys have never used it. So today, study the science of art. Study the art of science. Develop your senses, especially learn how to see. Realize that everything connects to everything else. That's a quote from Leonardo da Vinci, and today that's what I hope we're gonna do, is that we're gonna learn how to see, learn how to recognize patterns. I love art. That was kind of my backup plan. If I didn't get into medical school, I was gonna finish up an art history degree. I did get into medical school, but I still love art, and da Vinci especially. Okay, so what is dermoscopy? Dermoscopy is the examination of skin lesions with a dermatoscope. Pretty straightforward, huh? You're also gonna hear the terms epiluminoscopy or epiluminescent microscopy. And it's primary use to differentiate between benign and malignant lesions. That's the primary use. 
So it's kind of funny that when I joined my practice 12 years ago, everybody's like, you can't bring this newfangled dermoscopy up in here. No, dermoscopy has been around for a very, very long time, all the way back to the 17th century. Um, the oil immersion that was added through there, you've got to have something to cancel out the skin surface reflection. The problem with oil immersion dermoscopy, which is actually what I was trained on, you put the oil or the mineral oil on the skin, then you use the glass slide, and I'll show you what I trained on, but you cancel out the vascular structures because that the pressure there on top of the skin. And so that was though added with the oil immersion way back in 1878. Moved it to looking at lesions actually on the patient as opposed to excised lesions at a light source. It's called dermoscopy. And then in 1971 is when we, we began to use dermoscopy for, for diagnostic purposes. So this is not new technology or a new idea. So this is what I trained on. Um, nobody else in my residency program was real excited about it, so I got to keep it in my pocket most of the time. But mineral oil, use the dermatoscope, and that's what I learned on. This is what I use now, and again, I don't have any ties to 3Gen, those kind of things, but I love the Dermlite. Um, specifically, this one on the right is one of my favorite. It's very easy to go back and forth between polarized and non-polarized light, and I think there's utility for both. And I'm going to show you, when you're doing your moscopy, it's helping you to see both the horizontal and the vertical planes. Okay, so this is the difference between polarized and non-polarized light. And I should have asked, how many of you guys show a hand are using dermoscopy in your practice currently? Awesome. Okay, this is great. Um, and then I apologize too if it's a little too basic. But if you're using dermoscopy, the biggest thing that I can say to you is use your dermatoscope. Just start looking at stuff all the time. You're never gonna get good at dermoscopy if you're not using it, looking at things. Even if you're like, I'm not real sure what to do with that under the dermatoscope, okay, good. Step back and make your clinical decision based on the other. But unless you're looking at a bunch of stuff, benign and malignant, you're never gonna get good at this. But this is the difference between polarized light. Um, typically, especially with pigmented lesions, to me, this is the more important view because you're looking at the dermoepidermal junction, which is gonna be where most of your melanocytic proliferation is. And then non-polarized light, you can look at the surface structure. Dermoscopy photography. Um, typically, if I'm doing dermoscopy photography in my office, it's holding the dermatoscope and using my iPhone to take a picture through the dermatoscope. But there are certainly much more high-tech systems out there. I used to have these for a while. Do you guys, any of you have these attached to your cell phone case? You've got one. For me, it was just super cumbersome and then to go back and forth between different phone cases, things like that. And so, but these are definitely out there and very available. So what dermoscopy is not, and both of these next techniques are outside the scope of this lecture, and I personally um, don't have a lot of experience with either one of them, confocal microscopy and optical luminescent microscopy. So those are two things that you're definitely gonna see in the dermatology literature. Um, lots of studies being done there on visualiz visualization of lesions in situ, but um, that is not what dermoscopy is. And so if you see an article on those kind of things, don't get confused what dermoscopy is not. Remember, especially if you're starting out with dermoscopy, dermoscopy should not be a substitute for your clinical judgment. Sometimes you're gonna know it's a mammoth, it's a basal cell, those kind of things. And so, especially as you learn, your dermatoscope is just a tool to help in the aiding of your diagnosis, but don't ever let it be a substitute for what you already know clinically. 
Like, and am, am I too old? Like, does everybody know the far, the far side? I grew up with this stuff. Like, my dad had the calendar. Okay, I love Gary Larson. In the midst of this lecture today, and the next one as well, I'm gonna give you a little art education because it's the end of the conference and your brain is tired and so you should learn some other things too. So as we talk about learning patterns and learning how to see things, one of my favorite things to see are fractals. How many of you guys know what a fractal is? Okay, so fractals are patterns that repeat themselves over and over and over. And I'm fascinated by fractals in nature. Um, they just make my brain and my eyes happy. And so the idea is the tree grows by repetitive branching. So simplicity is going to lead to complexity. And a fractal tells the story of whatever the process is that created it. So this is a mathematic fractal. So you could continue to repeat this triangle triangular structure over and over and over and over. And you're gonna to find tons of fractals in mathematics, but where I like fractals is in nature. Um, and so this is one of my friends who is a neurosurgeon who noticed as he was working on patients that an axon looks strikingly similar to a tree as well. And so you can see what he calls, um, and it's a Sunday morning, my dad's a preacher, I gotta preach a little bit, right? But um, you can see according to him, evidence of a divine creator by the patterns that continue to repeat themselves over and over and over in nature from a microscopic to a macroscopic level. This is a beautiful coffee table book, but it's just a good example of what I'm talking about. Patterns that we see in nature, we're gonna learn patterns today in dermoscopy as well. Okay, so where do we use dermoscopy? Well, to diagnose skin cancer, monitor pigmented lesions, diagnose scabies and pubic lice, I recommend washing your dermatoscope if you're diagnosing pubic lice with dermoscopy. Um, diagnose warts. I really like it too to see, should I retreat a wart? Is it completely resolved? Fungal diagnosis, trichoscopy, um, differentiation of papulosquamous disorders. And I'm going to be real honest with you guys, I am not great with papulosquamous stuff in dermoscopy. I think that's like a next level kind of thing. But if you're going to give me two pictures and be like, which one's psoriasis and which one's like implantis, I'm not always going to get that one right. And then aid in surgical margin determination. I will pull out my dermatoscope, especially if I'm doing like a staged excision on the lentigo maligna. Sometimes it does help, sometimes it doesn't. So why do we do this? So increased sensitivity, which means we're going to catch 20% more increased specificity. So we're going to rule out 10%, so 10% less biopsies in this one study. And like I said, some people think that dermoscopy is going to increase the number of biopsies. If you need a dermatoscope, you need a biopsy. Absolutely not. For me, it's just the opposite. That I'm on the fence about a mole, take my alcohol swab, wipe it off, magnify it. I'm very reassured by what I see under the microscope, or the dermatoscope, excuse me. Use of dermoscopy increases clinical diagnostic accuracy between 5 and 30% over visual inspection based on the type of skin lesion and the experience of the physician. So again, keep using your dermatoscope. Increasing the amount of instruction on dermoscopy is an approach to enhance resident satisfaction, so, or you could argue your satisfaction as well. Increasing your competency in the management of atypical nevi, which I think for all of us gets a little scary sometimes. 
And then the evolution of dermoscopy has resulted in the development of a new generation of clinical confident clinicians. The ultimate advances our most important goal, namely provision of the best possible care for our patients. And at the end of the day, I think that's all of our goal. This is Dr. Magoob, and he's kind of the king of dermoscopy. Um, people ask me what textbook I recommend for dermoscopy if you're just trying to learn. This is his textbook. If you ever have the opportunity to be at a conference where Dr. Margoob lectures, he really is, I think, the leading mind in dermoscopy today. Okay, here's your first fractal in nature. This is not a mathematically generated image, but again, it's a pattern that repeats itself over and over and over again. Um, anybody know what this is? Yes, it's broccoli. Isn't that pretty? If they ever have this at our fancy grocery store in town, I always buy one just because I think they're so pretty. Okay, so now let's get into the basics. This, and you're gonna hear me say this over and over and over today, your first question when you evaluate any lesion under your dermatoscope needs to be, is it melanocytic or not? So first rule of dermoscopy game that we're gonna to play today is there's a difference between a melanocytic lesion and a pigmented lesion. And so let's talk through that. A melanocytic lesion is a lesion that's formed from melanocytes, period. Now can you have pigment in non-melanocytic lesions? Yes, you can, and we're gonna see a lot of that today. But to judge an atypical nevus, to say, do you think this is a melanoma? Well, if it's an angioma, you don't wanna hold it up to those same criteria. So first question is always going to be, is it melanocytic or not? We're gonna say it a lot because I want you to ask yourself that first with any lesion you're evaluating under your dermatoscope. This is my high-tech chart. This is how technologically advanced I am that I was so proud of this. But, um, so you look at a lesion, if it's non-melanocytic, you're not going to evaluate it by melanocytic criteria. If you look at it and it's benign, great, you reassure. If you look at it and you're not sure, you're gonna get a biopsy. If you look at it and you're pretty certain it's malignant, you're gonna do a biopsy. That's kind of the goal today, because to me it's not just to get good at dermoscopy, but how does it apply to your clinical practice? Are you gonna biopsy the thing or are you not? So first step, and I want to emphasize this. If you look at a lesion today or in your clinic and you're like, I don't know if it's melanocytic or not, always assume that it is and judge it by those criteria. Because again, we're trying to decide, do we biopsy or do we not biopsy? So how do we know if a lesion is melanocytic? Well, there's some basic structures that help you decide if a lesion is melanocytic or not. Pigment network, dots and globules and amorphous areas. And so let me show you what those look like. So a pigment network is gonna be this delicate grid of brownish lines and once you start looking at stuff, you're gonna know this over a light brown background. And it's formed by the melanocytes or the melanin that's in the basal keratinocytes. And the reason that you have this grid, and for a second you gotta like put it on your three-dimensional brain because we're so used to looking at histologic slides in two dimensions through there. But those dense pigment rings, that is those you know, the root ridges that are going down through there. You get a lot more melanocytes in that ridge than you do up in the papillae. And this is the hallmark. So that's showing what the root ridge is and the papillae. And that's where you get these pigment networks formed is those melanocytes in those area. It's more, it's, like I said, to take this in your brain, make it three-dimensional, it starts to make sense a little bit more. So your pigment network can have a reticular pattern, a lattice-like structure, 
localized or diffuse. And I think this is hugely important because a lot of times in things like amelanotic melanomas or melanoma in situ with some scar tissue and a lot of regression, if you see any evidence in a lesion of a pigment network, you need to automatically judge it as a melanocytic lesion. So this is reticular pattern, and that's what that looks like in a lesion. This is a benign nevus, but you notice that reticular pat pattern there with the melanocytes. Lattice-like pattern, important here. What type of skin are we on? Yes, so this is acral skin, so hand or foot. You see those ridges through there? We're gonna talk about that in the next hour as well. This is a benign pattern, the lattice-like pattern, but um, anytime you're evaluating lesions on the palms and soles, they kinda have their own criteria. Localized or diffuse, like I said, the pigment network does not have to encompass the entire lesion, but here you can see it's there at the periphery, therefore you're going to evaluate this lesion as a melanocytic lesion. Dots and globules, so this is another characteristic. And these are concentrations of melanocytes at the base of those reedy ridges. And so you see these are globules there of pigment. This is a hallmark, this is called cobblestoning, or a cobblestone pattern. This is a hallmark of kind of a compound nevus. So very benign, congenital nevus, sometimes you'll see this pattern as well. But those are globules of pigment. Dots. Streaks, so this is another hallmark of a melanocytic lesion. And typically you're gonna see streaking at the periphery of a nevus. And so you notice that, you see those streaks of pigment coming out. Again, I don't think you'd question that this was a melanocytic lesion. However, those streaks, that's something that can help you decide. Amorphous areas. Somebody asked the question of Dr. Ackerman early, the difference between a um, solar lentigo and a melanoma. Well, my hope is your dermatoscope would make that really, really easy for you to do because these amorphous areas are pretty classic for a solar lentigo. You're gonna see that. The other place you'll see amorphous areas is a blue nevus as well. They look very homogenous. I do wanna point this out. Pseudo-network is very, very important when you're evaluating melanocytic lesions. What a pseudo-network is, it's a melanocytic network on the face. And you're gonna see this pretty much every time you're looking at a face. It's annular pigment around the hair follicles. And it's gonna become very, very important as we're trying to differentiate a lentigo from a lentigo maligna on the face. So that's a schematic. So can you appreciate that? All those tiny little dropouts, that is not like regression structures, any of that kind of stuff. The pigment is around all these numerous hair follicles on the face, and that's called a pseudo-network. There's another picture of a pseudo-network. Okay, here is your next fractal. So this is actually high voltage electricity discharging through a non-conductive material. Does anybody know what these figures are called? Okay, you're gonna learn something. They're called Lichtenberg figures, and they're called Lichtenberg figures anywhere that you see this high voltage electric electricity discharge. Classically, you're going to see this with a lightning strike. And so, this is a smaller example, but again, it's a fractal. No matter how close you get into these discharges, these patterns repeat over and over and over. I don't have a tattoo, but I kind of think this would be a cool one to have. And so Lichtenberg figures, we had a tree in my backyard that was struck by lightning. 
all of the bark had this beautiful Lichtenberg figure along the side of the tree. The tree died. But um, this is a gentleman who's been struck by lightning and it's left behind this Lichtenberg figure. I think they're absolutely beautiful. Okay, so now we're going to get into it. Melanocytic or not, I've given you the criteria, remember? And now everybody gets to sit up and you have to vocalize yes or no. Pretty simple. But remember, we're looking for pigment network. You've got dots and globules, streaks, amorphous areas to decide, do you think this lesion is melanocytic or not? Once we kind of get this under our belt, we're going to take the next step and say, okay, I've decided it's melanocytic. Do I think it's benign or not? But all we care about right now, is it melanocytic or is it not? Is it melanocytic or not? Yes, very clearly you've got tons of dots, several globules, and a pigment network. No. Right, this is an angioma, pretty clearly. You've got those lacunae, it's bright red, you know that it's blood. Yes, and so these are globules. Again, that's a cobblestoning pattern. Very, very classic for a compound nevus. Yes, absolutely. Look at all those streaks. I couldn't show you a better example of melanocytic streaks. Okay, good, I'm glad I'm hearing both. The answer is no. However, I personally am gonna judge this as a yes. This is a pigmented basal cell skin cancer. However, when in doubt, you're gonna judge it as melanocytic and clearly by the criteria we're about to learn, either way it's gonna get a biopsy. And that's what's really important at the end of the day. Absolutely, this is a melanoma in situ. You've lost a lot of the pigment network um, in that lesion, but it's a localized area of pigment network and therefore you're gonna judge this lesion as melanocytic. Yes, it is, this is on the face. And so you've got that pseudo network, but you've got your pigment there. This is a melanocytic lesion. So if you're just starting out in dermoscopy, this is a pigmented lesion, but it's not a melanocytic lesion. And we'll talk about this as we learn characteristics of benign lesions. This is not, this is a pigmented SK. There is pigment in the lesion. If you're not sure, great, go ahead and judge it as a melanocytic lesion. As you get more skilled that you recognize that cerebriform shape, some of those milia-like cysts, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, that's an SK. But again, pigment and melanocytic, two different things. Okay, here's your next fractal. This is a snowflake magnified, and so you've got hexagons that repeat over and over and over and over, much like I am, saying melanocytic over and over and over and over. Okay, so let's move forward. We've learned, let's judge first, is it melanocytic or is it not? Next step, is it benign or is it not? How are we gonna decide that? So the first criteria is going to be color. And I love this slide because when you understand why the colors are what they are, it's based on the depth that they are in the skin, then it makes you better. This is what I'm talking about that you're visualizing in the horizontal plane and the vertical plane. Your colors especially help you determine that vertical plane, where is the pigment or whatever other chromophore you're looking at, where is it sitting? And so let's go through what these colors mean. 
So we're going to start with black. And you see black there. We're going to go left to right across that histologic slide through there. Black is going to be a very, very superficial melanin, or it's going to be thrombosed blood. And so it's going to be crust. It's sitting at the top through there. Um, on the right there, I've got an ink spot lentigo. That's a classic ink spot lentigo. That melanin is sitting very, very superficial. And then on the bottom, you've got a thrombosed hemangioma as well. Um, you might see this as well in Talon Noir. That's one that I get to see a lot under the dermatoscope as well. But that's all going to be very superficial. Brown. This is what we're going to see a lot of. And so when you see a lesion that's brown under your dermatoscope, I want you to think about the dermoepidermal junction. So it may be a little above, it may be a little bit below. Most of the time it's sitting right there, but that's where your brown is. And all of these are different colors because of reflection of light, tendal effect for the blue, all those things. Gray, that's a little bit deeper. You may see this as a pigment drop, which is not actually melanocytes, but disturbed melanin that's out of the place where it should be, so either in keratinocytes or in that upper dermis. Blue. So now we're getting down into the deep dermis. This is a blue nevus. Yellow. When you see yellow, a lot of times that's crust on the skin. It's sebum crust, it's a keratin crust. You also see that with um, xanthelasma, xanthomas, sebaceous hyperplasia. That's where you're seeing yellow. White. White is essentially, it's either going to be milia or it's going to be scar tissue. And it's important as well because when you think about some of this white and regression structures, that's one that you want to be aware of. And then red. I know I'm going to blow your mind on this one, but red correlates with blood. And so you're going to see that. And as you really get into dermoscopy and things like that, we're going to talk about vessels in the next talk as well, appreciating what some of the vessels are doing is helpful for from a diagnostic standpoint. And so I'm going to show you different things. So color, just like when we're doing ABCDs with a lesion clinically, color, one color, you're going to think probably benign. Two colors, in this case it's still benign, but it's got two colors. Lots of different colors, if you see lots of different colors clinically, of course you're going to think, oh my gosh, this needs a biopsy. It's going to become the same thing for us when we see a lot of different colors, especially in a melanocytic lesion. Symmetry, we're going to evaluate that as well, both in shape and pattern. So I'm just going to show you some things. This is still relatively symmetric. Again, relatively symmetric, even though, so I want you to appreciate symmetry doesn't necessarily mean perfectly round. This has definitely got some asymmetry of pattern through there, but your color is relatively symmetric as well. I'm a little bit worried for some other characteristics through there. It's not horribly asymmetric in, in necessarily shape, but the color and pattern's a little bit off. How about this one? Is there any symmetry in anything in this one? No, there is not. So clearly, just like when we're looking at lesions clinically, that would be the B, your border necessarily through there. Um, symmetry is going to be important. And again, you've lost symmetry here as well, both in your pigment and your shape, all of those things. Again, not a lot of symmetry here, but it's important. These are things in terms that we're going to use going forward. This is pretty symmetric to me. You could draw a line right through that. Here's your next fractal. This is a close-up of a leaf. Um, see, this kind of stuff just makes my brain happy. If it doesn't yours, that's okay. Maybe it's because I do so much cosmetics too, but these are pretty to me. 
Now this is important. We're going to get into dermoscopy of melanoma. So we've gone past the basics and now we're going to get into how do I use this day in, day out in my practice because I want to be a better practitioner. I actually want to leave less scars on my patients and so how can I make better decisions clinically? So there are a lot of methods that are out there. There's a lot of different textbooks out there. We're gonna go with a pretty simple one today, the three-point rule, which is my quick and dirty. Like I say, I move pretty quickly through clinic. Some of these get down into here where it would be like calculating a posi on every one of your psoriasis patients, which if you guys, if you do clinical trials, you do a posi, but the rest of us don't have 15 minutes to calculate a posi score. So some of these, I'm never gonna sit there with a calculator and a piece of paper and look at every lesion, but the three-point rule is super, super easy. I will point out on this as well that ABCD, that's a great thing to do too. Clinically, you know, A, B, C, D, is it asymmetric? The border, the different colors, is the diameter? E, is it evolving? Same kind of stuff under the dermatoscope is gonna be helpful to you as well. But what I wanna focus on because it's quick, dirty, easy, and if I repeat it enough, you'll take it home with you. Um, we're gonna do the three-point rule. Okay, so what is the three-point method? We're gonna look at asymmetry of color. We're gonna look at asymmetry of pattern. And we're gonna look, are there any blue or white structures. All right. Okay, you get a point for asymmetry of color, a point for asymmetry of pattern, a point for blue or white structures, and if that lesion scores two or more, guess what? It gets a biopsy. So this is where we're going to start, and I actually want you guys, you don't have to write it down because I think, you know, adding to three, most of us can do in our head, but, um, but you can write it down if you want to. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at each lesion, and we're going to go asymmetry of color, asymmetry of pattern, and any blue or white structures. And then the end game, are we gonna biopsy it or are we not gonna biopsy it? Okay, asymmetry of color. I'm gonna argue really no, not really. It's pretty homogenous in color. Asymmetry of pattern. I think maybe you could say a little bit, the dropout places in that kind of reticular network. So if you wanna give it one, I think you could. Certainly I don't see any blue-white structures. So for me personally, I'm gonna give it a one. This does not get a biopsy in my clinic. How many of you guys would biopsy that? Probably nobody, especially since I just said, this does not get a biopsy in my clinic. Okay, I'm trying to show you some of the same images as well as we go through this. So asymmetry of color. No, asymmetry of pattern, I could buy that, yeah. So you get a one. Any blue-white structures? No, again, cobblestoning, this is a classic thing. Some of these are gonna be like seeing the faces of your children or your mother. Like when you see it under the dermatoscope, you're gonna automatically recognize it. And so, again, this one's benign, got a one, not gonna biopsy it. Asymmetry of color, asymmetry of pattern, any blue-white areas? Okay, this is a trick question, guys. The only time you're going to use that three-point method is on a melanocytic lesion. So if you know it's an angioma, don't do the three-point method. It doesn't matter, it's an angioma. Walk away from it. That three-point method only applies to melanocytic lesions. Asymmetry of color, perhaps. Pattern, I think it's pretty symmetric. Blue-white, no. And so this is that kind of classic fried egg look that you see a lot of times on younger children. A lot of times you see this on scalp nevi as well. Um, but this is relatively benign. It doesn't get a biopsy. You might take a picture and monitor it if you want to do that, but I wouldn't biopsy it. 
Asymmetry of color? Yes. Asymmetry of pattern? Blue-white structures? Yes, I'm gonna argue that there's definitely that deep blue color to some of those areas, kind of right through there, that line right through there. Um, and you got that, we'll talk about it here in a second, that smudgy look to it. That's a highly technical term, smudgy. But um, that's that blue-white veil that people talk about. When you see that, I want you reaching for your dermablade because it's time to do a biopsy. Um, in this case, it was a severely dysplastic nevus, but this would absolutely get a biopsy in my office. Same lesion we've seen earlier. So we said, is it melanocytic? Yes. Asymmetry of color? Asymmetry of pattern? Any blue-white areas? Whoops, I went the wrong way. I'm gonna argue that yes, those white scar areas inside of that lesion, you know, take a history and, because I get to say whatever I want, um, no, this has never been worked on before. So that concerns you when you see these white areas inside of this lesion. And again, this is a melanoma in situ. And the reason I go through it like this is, is I want you guys to be methodical as you do your dermoscopy and not just say, okay, I need to look at this and know what it is. No, know why you make that decision. Is it melanocytic? Okay, color, pattern, blue-white. Help yourself make a decision. Asymmetry of color? No. Maybe of pattern, no blue-white areas. Again, this was an ink spot lentigo. Does not get a biopsy. The more and more you see these, because these will draw your eyes in clinic, especially on those really sun-damaged shoulders. All of a sudden you see a couple of black spots in there. This is a specific lesion where dermoscopy, to me, is extremely helpful to differentiate something that I'm concerned about from this beautiful reticular ink spot lentigo. Okay, is it melanocytic? Yes, it is. You've got tons and tons of dots and globules. Um, let's see, asymmetry of color? I'm gonna go with yes. Asymmetry of pattern? Yeah. Blue-white areas? Yes. So you've got, again, do you see that smudging up through there? It looks like you need to clean off your dermatoscope. You don't. I mean, you should clean it between every patient. But in this case, you do not. So. Apart from history, just based on um, this dermatoscopic image, for me, I would biopsy this. The histology on this was a benign congenital nevus, but I would be concerned enough for change inside of a congenital nevus looking at this dermatoscopic image that yes, I would have biopsied it. Okay, is it melanocytic or not? I've showed you this image before, so you know the answer is no. But for me personally, there's enough here that I can't tell if this is just pigment or if this is just a totally chaotic pigment network. So I'm gonna go with a yes on this. It, when I can't tell, it's always a yes. And so we go asymmetry of color, yes. Asymmetry of pattern, of course. You've got plenty through there. Lots and lots of blue and white areas through there. Like I said, one of the things that when you see something under your dermatoscope, your dermatoscope and there's actually a whole book on this, The Chaos of Melanoma, um, when you see this and all you can think is, wow, this is crazy, these are the kind of images that Kirk and I are texting back and forth on. I really think we could start a business with like t-shirts or coasters, because I think some of these images are really kind of pretty. And so I said it first, if somebody else goes out and does that, it was my idea. I want to cut if you make coasters of dermatoscopic images. But again here, so you know this is going to biopsy. In this case, good news for your patient, it is a pigmented basal cell carcinoma. 
Side note on this, when I see something under my dermatoscope and I decide, you know what, I think this is a bad melanoma. I have the discussion with that patient at the time that I do the biopsy. I sit down, like I said, sit my rear end down, but I always talk to a patient in clinic that I think they have a melanoma when I really do think that they have a melanoma. If I'm not sure, great. But that way when I call them, it's either great news that like, hey, I was totally wrong. It's a pigmented basal cell, hallelujah. But if it is a melanoma, especially one that I think is a bad melanoma, I feel like I need to plant that seed in their head as early as possible. Because also, I live in a rural area and I can't be like, I can't have everybody say, hey, I want you to come back in this morning at 10 a.m. Well, doctor, I live two hours away. If I've started that conversation at the time of the biopsy, then I can call them back and say, Unfortunately, Mr. Smith, I was right. This is a bad melanoma, but we talked about this in clinic. You've already told me kind of who the oncologist is that took care of your wife's breast cancer. We know what the next steps are. So if I'm wrong, it's great. And I always tell them that. I may be wrong on this, but I at least want to start the conversation because if I'm right, we may have to make some other decisions clinically going forward. The other plural on that too, and again, these are my clinical preferences, but like that guy that I just signed off on with a 1.4 melanoma, my nurses will absolutely not call that gentleman tomorrow. I will call that gentleman tomorrow. And so that's my responsibility. Weird pathology, melanoma pathology, the step that they're like, how do I explain CGCL to this patient? I hate it when I see my partners who are like, yeah, just call, you just call and tell them. Like when it's hard stuff and the nurses don't know how to answer those questions, it's my responsibility as the provider to call that patient. So I strongly encourage you, do I call my basal cells? No, not a chance, but weird stuff, Melanomas, especially melanomas like that 1.4 that's really going to require discussion, I'm going to personally call that patient. Okay, is this melanocytic? Yes. And so I want to point out in this too, one of the things that helps you decide is this melanocytic? So while all this looks like your chaos going on through here, you see pretty regular pigment network at the periphery through there. So again, localized or diffuse pigment network helps you decide is it melanocytic or not. Again, this one's pretty easy. Asymmetry of color, clearly. Asymmetry of pattern, of course. And then lots of blue white through there. And so it gets a biopsy and this is definitely malignant melanoma. Okay, we're gonna point out the seven point method. And this is not because I want you to use it in clinic. I just want you to learn some of the hallmark characteristics of melanoma. They're gonna help up your game just a little bit when you see a weird one under your dermatoscope, but you know, oh wait, that's right, Dr. Holman said XYZ is a characteristic of melanoma. It just helps in addition to that three-point scale to help to diagnose melanoma. So the other thing that's in this, and I didn't point out, so they're gonna have similar criteria um, that that irregular network, but one of their criteria in there is irregular vascularity. The main places as you start dermoscopy that I want you to think about vascularity, the first one is an arborizing vessels, and that's actually a characteristic. Arborizing means like a tree, or like that neuron in that tree that I showed you on the cover of Dr. Gordon's book. So it's branching out through there. That's a hallmark of basal cell carcinoma, and it's a hallmark that I use on the daily to differentiate from like sebaceous hyperplasia or other benign lesions of the face, arborizing vessels is an important piece of vasculature. And as you evaluate vasculature, you might be like, well, it's got arborizing vessels. I think this is like a weird, I don't know what's going on. It's important that you differentiate the vasculature, especially on the face and Caucasian, older Caucasians with rosacea, those kind of things. Make sure you're differentiating the vascular of the background skin, because look at this. That vasculature, that's not the lesion, that's the patient's skin through there. So just a caveat through there, make sure you're differentiating the vascular of the skin from the vasculature of the lesion. 
These are characteristic vascular patterns that you may see in melanoma. Again, this gets a bit more advanced, um, and sometimes to me, melanomas are so chaotic that you know without really having to look at the vasculature. But this is what I want to point out in that method, that irregular dots and globules, irregular streaks, irregular blotches, and regression structures, all of those are the things that are going to make you think, in addition to my three out of three on your three-point scale, wow, I do start to see these hallmarks of melanoma inside this lesion. So I'm going to show you several times the same picture of this melanoma up through here, but you can look. You've got some tiny dots like right up through there as well. Again, if we just take a step back and do the three point, yes, you've scored a three on there. You said melanocytic, asymmetry of color, pattern, and we've got blue white areas. So you're already doing a biopsy, but let's notice on that seven point scale the other characteristics that are there. So you've got the dots and globules. And the streaks that you can see, there's several areas. That's probably your most classic streak right through there. Your blotches, so that's going to become some of these amorphous areas, again, that it's looking like a little bit smudged through there. And clearly, you know, you've got blue-white right through here, regression structures, that's that white scar-like stuff that I was talking to you about. So those are hallmarks of melanoma that in addition to that three-point scale, you'll start to see these over and over. Irregular dots and globules, irregular streaks, irregular blotches, and regression structures are hallmarks of melanoma under your dermatoscope. Okay. So we're ending a little bit early on through here, and actually I may end a little bit early um, depending on how long we take. I can answer some questions at this point. This is actually probably my very, very favorite fractal in nature. This is a fern frond. And next time that you're out, depending on what part of the country that you live in, next time that you're out in nature, if you're fortunate enough to see one of these fern fronds, the closer you get, the more it will blow your mind. Because it's just over and over and over, both microscopically and macroscopically, these beautiful spiral patterns are repeated. So I encourage you to stop and you know smell the roses, stop and pick up a fern frond next time that you're out and appreciate the beauty and the pattern that you're seeing there with the fractal and a fern frond. And so I know this first one is kind of basic and if it's okay with you guys, I'll see if there's any questions, but we're going to go ahead and move on into the self-challenge, talk more about some hallmarks of some other lesions so that you can begin to differentiate them as well. Are there any questions? Oh yeah. the overall performance of the speaker. How useful will this session be in your practice? It won't be useful if you don't use your dermatoscope, so use it. As a result of this program, do you intend to change your patient care? How do you document dermoscopy in the chart? Um, so about the only time that I actually document dermoscopy in the chart is if I see things that are atypical through there. And so I use, um, again, I'm on Emma, and so I use that diagnostic comment. If you guys don't use that, that's one of my favorite plans inside of Emma, and it's attached to any impression. But what it does, it's gonna put that little blue line at the top so it doesn't get lost in all the black text below that Emma loves to throw a million things in there. And so I will just say, 
irregular globule streaks, regression structures present on dermoscopy in addition to high clinical suspicion. And so I may just put that one line in through there. Um, dermoscopy for me, I mean, you can't bill for dermoscopy, number one, so don't think you can do that, that by adding this to your practice, it's gonna make you more money. Um, in fact, it may make you less because you're not gonna biopsy unnecessarily anymore. But um, you can't bill for dermoscopy, but I will tell you, it makes patients feel better because if they've been seeing a provider who uses dermoscopy regularly and then you go in and do their skin exam and you didn't use your dermoscopy, and their, their mind like, well, why didn't they use a the little light thing? Like, that's kind of weird. I felt like I got so much more when the other provider was pulling out their light and really magnifying stuff. It adds just a few seconds to your exam, but I guarantee you it makes that patient feel like you're going the extra mile when you pull out your dermatoscope. And if you're gonna do a biopsy, when you've, got, you've looked at it three times with that light, they really know that you're thinking about it, making a judgment to do that biopsy. When you're monitoring moles, how long do you do it for? A few years, leave it to the patient forever. Y'all, dysplastic nevus syndrome is tough. And I would encourage you, um, you know, if you're uncomfortable with it, that's one where you want to partner with your supervising physician as well as on those dysplastic nevi syndrome. Um, this is my personal preference. Depending on the patient, I see them every kind of four to 12 months. You know, if they've had a history of melanoma in addition to it, it's going to be shorter through there. Even my yearly dysplastic nevus syndromes, if they get pregnant, I like to see them every six months. There's a good long article on pregnancy and melanoma in the JAD several years ago that says we don't understand what's going on. But um, so that's how I monitor kids who just reach puberty after pregnancy. I said that one. Puberty in kids, I'm more like Dr. Ackerman on that. It's kind of specific to each child. I tell parents, when your pediatrician is not comfortable, that's when you need to see me. If you've got over 50 moles, that's when you need to see me. Is there a way to tell if two neoviral lentigines are overlapping? Experience. I mean, when you really see a collision lesion under the dermatoscope, the more that you've done it, you'll be able to differentiate it. However, dermoscopy is very, very helpful in being able to differentiate a collision lesion versus something that's wrong with that mole that you're growing something new inside of it. What lesions do you recommend viewing under polarized light versus non-polarized? I like to look at both. I mean, it just takes a second if you've got the right dermatoscope that you can go back and forth between the two. Um, but definitely, if you're looking at melanocytic lesions, polarized to me is much more important when I'm looking at basal cells and sebaceous hyperplasia, those kind of things. The non-polarized is typically better. But remember, you've got to have the kind of dermatoscope that sits off of the skin. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to appreciate the vasculature. Dropout structure from true regression structure. I don't know that there necessarily is a difference. When I use that term dropout pigment, it was more in lichenoid disorders where you've got disturbed melanocytes and they get that gray look because they're sitting farther down in that upper dermis. That's typically what I call dropout pigment through there. But if you can't differentiate it, then assume it's a regression structure. Speak more to the white-blue structures. So the white-blue structures, again, I want you to go back and think to the color slide that I showed you. It's about where is that pigment. There's a problem in a melanoma. Why? Because your pigment is no longer sitting or your melanin is no longer sitting at the dermoepidermal junction. It's where it shouldn't be, unless it's a blue nevus. And so it's diving down. You've got pigment that's in all layers there of the dermis and epidermis. That's why you're seeing blue-white areas. It's either regression and loss of pigment that's resulted in white, or you've got blue. That's that smudge that everything is not sitting where it should in these beautiful little papillion ridges. It's all over the place and that's why you get blue and you get white. When you start to see it clinically, you'll be like, oh, now I get it. Like I said earlier, it really depends on the patient. Most of mine that are severe with a ton of dysplastic nevi, 
Yes, I do see them every six months, um, but I've got some that are annual as well, except for special situations with a big time open door that if you're concerned about anything, you call me. This has been a presentation of Dermcast.tv, the official online media resource for the Society of Dermatology PAs.